I'm Amy Pruitt. I'm Lisa Dumas. I teach Ayurveda and yoga. I teach yoga. I'm a yoga therapist in training, and I offer transformational coaching. But that's just part of the story. We're moms, daughters, wives, and friends. We're always learning, and we've both experienced healing by what we teach. And the intention of this podcast is to offer you our favorite tools from the traditions and sciences that support us as we navigate the realities and stressors of modern life. Each week, we'll share stories, answer your questions, and talk to others who inspire us. Welcome to the Radiant Warrior Podcast. Yoga and Ayurveda to reclaim a courageous heart. Amy, I have to say that I love summer. Where I live here in Vancouver, it's often rainy in the wintertime. And so when the sun is out, it just feels like an entire city celebration every day. Yeah. And you just want to be outside and listen to the birds and look at the trees. And And the big change in my house is the difference in the morning. Because during the school year, I have a high schooler. The energy in the house can often be really rushed and often sometimes stressed and slamming doors. And stop telling me to breathe, mom. (laughs) (laughs) And now, um, you know, she's sleeping in every morning and the house is really quiet and I'm able to get up and really offer myself all the practices rather than just squeezing in what I have time for. And we're staying up a little bit later because in our neck of the woods, it's light until 10 o'clock at night. So we're eating a little bit later. We're, we're out in the world and outside a little bit later. So I don't have to get up so early in order to be the first one up in order to support myself before other people wake up, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a really nice rhythm in the summer when the kids are out of school and the schedule feels a lot easier, more spacious. The time, the days are longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a really nice time of year. Are you having a good week? What's been going on? I have been. I am coming off of a four-day stretch at the hospital, so I'm trying to also spend some time outside and really, I feel like summer just kind of hit here. Um, You know, our winters are long and our spring has been cold and it's really rained a ton here. Like, like the streets have been flooded and our basement has water in it and Whoa. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Like our storms come on really quick and heavy and then they leave and everything is humid and lush and green and working the past four days, I was just looking out from the hospital, looking at the sunshine and feeling sorry for myself. So today is the first day that <laughs> I feel like I can go outside and be in the sun. And I walked the dog this morning before our neighborhood woke up and it was really nice just to be outside and listen to the birds and have the neighborhood to myself. Well, I had a situation this week that I thought I would share with you because I think it might take us into a conversation that will be valuable for some. I was asked over the past week to offer one of the workshops that I offer that's constantly evolving because it's centered around relaxation techniques and stress reduction techniques and everything that's come to me since moving my way through my bout with disordered anxiety, which as I've spoken about here is the reason that I offer yoga and meditation and yoga therapy in the first place, because it was 
the practice of yoga and meditation that helped me to calm my nervous system down. And then all the tools that have come to me since then have helped me to understand exactly what was going on with my body when I was having regular, really scary panic attacks. And it taught me that my body was just trying to come back into balance. And it taught me to listen to my body and to pay attention. So this workshop that I offer, it's a culmination of a lot of different practices that can just help us create a calmer inner landscape and help us to understand that we're so much more than our thoughts and we're so much more than anxiety. And I customize it depending on who I'm offering it to. And this past week, the management of the yoga studio company that I work for, because it's a, it's a vast company, there's four yoga studios that are part of the corporation, even though it's still family run, it's actually run by an international kundalini teacher named Gloria Latham. So it's mm. her family's um, businesses and they're called Semper Viva. And I just absolutely love teaching there. It's just a beautiful community. It's, it's the only place that I've chosen to teach in my city of Vancouver so far. But um, the management asked me if I would share this workshop with the yoga assistants. So the people that are at the front desk that are doing all the sign-ins. And this is a very busy yoga community. We have classes every 15 minutes. And so they're, they're doing a lot. They're helping to set up the studio. They're signing in up to 80 people a class. They work mm -hmm. very hard. And they're consistently offering to others. And we have somebody in the position of people development, which I really love her, her role, a people development role. So she asked me to come in and I was like so incredibly honored. I, I just love that opportunity. And so I had customized the workshop for people who spend a lot of time working with the public and how important it is for us to keep our nervous systems calm when we're interacting with others. In, in our world, Amy, and in the yoga therapy world, I would call that balancing my vata before I meet other people. Because as we know, when we interact with other people, sometimes that nervousness can be catching. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do. Like if we're talking with somebody new and we're meeting somebody for the first time and we feel that nervousness in our body, you can, you can sometimes feel that the other person will experience it and vice versa. So something that I've learned is how important it is before we go out in the world and we interact with others to make sure that we've calmed down our nervous system and then we can really spread that around. So that was my intention. Um, and I created tools that, that surrounded that idea. But what I didn't know is that the people development person had invited the teaching faculty to come and experience the practice as well, which is wonderful. The more the merrier. That's, that's why I want to do this podcast in the, in the first place is to just offer what's helped me because I know so many people are still struggling with anxiety and not talking about it. However... Even though I'm in my late 40s, Amy, I still have the very loud voice of the inner teenager who's saying that, you know, she doesn't know enough. And so when I realized that there were other teachers coming in to receive, I did have this initial nervousness, self-consciousness wash over me. And anytime I feel that self-consciousness 
I'm very lucky to remember some words written by one of my teachers, Rod Stryker. He says, you know, if you find yourself feeling self-conscious, that's kind of a sign that you're in that small self, that you're in the ego. You're not in the, the true self with the capital S because that part of ourselves cannot be conscious of itself. That part of itself is just fully at peace. But in the past, as I've been teaching these past 10 years, this has been a pattern for me that's troubled me that sometimes if somebody walks into the room that I feel less than, that I will one down myself and I'll feel nervous and that will cause me to feel ungrounded and not present in the experience. And now, you know, I can watch myself and I can watch that level of my mind, tell its stories about wanting to get it right. But that's, that's something that I still continue to want to purify because the experience of teaching yoga isn't about me. I am facilitating that experience, but I definitely um, intend to get out of my own way and be balanced when it comes to vata so that I can be grounded and allow myself to be really receptive to what's happening in the room. So when this happened again, I had, you know, a myriad of emotions. First, I had the initial nervousness and the, that old pattern, just habitual thought of, oh, you know, you don't know enough. And I would have been not conscious to that before. It just would have been a body feeling. And because I do have a history of panic attacks for me, and tell me if, I don't know, tell me if you can relate with this. And I wonder if others can relate to this, but because of that history, when I start to feel the speeding up my, my heart and clammy hands and that little tremble, when I start to feel the signs of sympathetic nervous system, the signs of wanting to fight or flight or freeze, it is a body memory of a panic attack. And that's what took me into an anxiety disorder and takes so many into an anxiety disorder. We have our first anxiety attack and that's become like this really regular thing that we talk about, but make no mistake, it's so freaking terrifying. You think you're going to die. You feel trapped in this time bomb of a body. And so then you live your life just terrified that that's going to happen again. So whenever I start to feel that little nervousness that maybe for others would, would drive them or they would be able to channel, which I've been working on, a part of me, probably an unseen and unconscious part of me goes into, oh, what if it happens again? You know, it just goes into that old fear. And that's when I really need to show up and use these tools that have come to me. But do you, do you relate with that? Yeah, I do. I do. And then once that cycle starts, how difficult it is to step out of it. Mm -hmm. And there's been so many times that I wasn't able to. Actually, I'm having this old memory. I don't think I've even ever talked about this with anyone before I ever had a real explosive panic attack when I was still back in radio. Um, I was new at a job and I was reading the morning news and the news director wanted to sit in with me in the booth the first time to make sure that, you know, I pressed all the right buttons and talked into the right place. And because he was sitting there, my body had a reaction that had never happened before. My whole body just started to tremble and shake and my voice got really thin. And that was 
that was very similar to the experience that I'll feel sometimes if I'll get nervous in front of other people. And, and now I know that this is, this is universal um, through all of us because it's in our wiring to not want to feel embarrassed or ashamed or mess up or make a quote unquote fool of ourselves in front of other people. Like that's, that's in our wiring because we're meant to want to be accepted by others but yeah, that's the first time that that happened. And I didn't have any context for that before, just to feel so incredibly self-conscious that my body was having a reaction of wanting to run away and hide and escape. That kind of feeling is what eventually did begin that first panic attack. And so to what you said, how do you stop that cycle for a long time you know, I didn't, it was just like, no, 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 I want to stop the train. And of course you're just like in full resistance and you're holding your breath and you're tensing your body. And so your body thinks that it's just the, the danger is getting worse and worse and worse until there is that explosive panic attack. And then what you said, that question that you asked, how do you stop that cycle once it gets started? That was that was the ultimate low point before finding yoga because I realized I couldn't do it on my own. And, you know, just like that point of surrender that many of us have to come when we, when we realize that we're powerless in the face of, you know, an addiction or a fear, I, I almost feel like that's a step that has to occur. All right, I can't do this on my own and I need to ask for help. I need to surrender and I need to know that there's a better way because living like this cannot be sustainable anymore. The reason that this story is so important to share is because it was the quickest time that I was able to find another voice rather than the fearful voice. So normally when that happened, what I would do is do what I could do to come back into the present moment into present-centered thinking. I would feel my feet on the ground and recognize that in that moment, everything was fine. There, there was nothing to fear. I would recognize that you know, we're, we're all in this together. There's not one person that's better or worse. And I would find my breath and I would continue, but there would still be an awareness of a voice telling me, you know, you better not mess up, which that's not happening in the present moment. So I wouldn't be completely and fully available, which is my intention. I want to be completely available to the room and to the psychodynamics of the room and what's coming up so I can serve the best that I can. What was different about this time is the time it took from the awareness of, all right, self-consciousness and nervousness to what else I was able to draw from. And the difference was I was able to cultivate a different, truer voice to soothe that inner self-doubting teenager. And that voice said, you know what? You have something to offer. You have something to offer. You have something worthwhile to share. And in this moment, it's your responsibility to do that. And that really serve to calm me down. It, it really served to say, that's right. And I don't want anything to get into the, in the way of what I want to offer. I don't want 
anything to cloud what it is that I'm here to do. And so after that, a few deep breaths. And to be honest, nothing that I've ever shared has ever gone so well. And the way I measure that is my ability to just be there moment to moment, just receiving the experience word by word and and breath by breath, being incredibly present. And then interestingly enough, at the end of the experience, we had time for sharing, which is beautiful. And that's what came up. You know, a lot of the people that work at the desk in those studios are also newer teachers or not teaching for a long time. And what came up was that we're all experiencing that. And it's, it's such a reminder. I think we all know this when we are in an experience when we're in front of people, whether that be teaching a yoga class or just in a social situation where there's a lot of people around, you might even be telling a story at the dinner table and be hit with that self-consciousness. I, I think there's almost a feeling that everybody else has it together and you're the one that's internally a mess. <laughs> but the truth is, everybody, this is universal. We're all fighting this internal battle within. And so it was just so validating to have a conversation with all these other teachers that we, this is what we all struggle with. This is what we all feel. And we're, and it's not our fault either. You know, we're struggling with this ancient wiring in our brains that wants to be seen and heard and accepted and, and kept in good standing with our group because we're wired for survival. Yeah. When I was listening to you tell the story, I was thinking that, you know, we really are wired in a way that if we mess up or if we are make a mistake or we're laughed at or we're thought or if we perceive that we're thought less of that it can bring up these feelings like we might actually die mm-hmm. of humiliation or or shame um that the fear seems very real that you might actually die you know if you don't if you mess up in front of a group of people like that. It's been proven that from a physiological perspective, when we feel deep shame and humiliation, there is the same experience in the physical body as being mortally wounded. So you're absolutely right. You know, we have the feeling that we actually want to disappear, right? We have a feeling that we don't want to exist in that space anymore. Sometimes we have the feeling that our legs are completely like rubber, Um, It is an experience in the body that is akin to being wounded. And it's also been found that it isn't helpful. You know, the emotion of guilt helps us to do the right thing and, and show up as who we want to be in our lives. But the emotion of shame, actually, it prevents us from showing up as who we want to be. It prevents us from stepping into that best version of ourselves and we've both talked about Brene Brown here on the podcast before. If we have anybody who hasn't read her words, it's important for every human being to, to learn about this because we need to build this shame resilience. And I guess cultivating that other voice, that wiser voice within that told me, no, you know, you have something important to share right now. That was my way of building up shame resilience. And I did want to offer that because for me, every practice that I have 
cultivated over the past decade is all to arrive at this place of nothing to hide and nothing to prove. It's a pretty nice place to arrive to. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't that feel just like a sigh of relief. Yeah. So what has helped me is personifying that version of myself. Like we all have these unconscious symbols in our mind, archetypes that um, are the personifications of different qualities. And it can be helpful to imagine like an embodiment of a quality that you'd like to step into. And I do imagine this very calm and grounded and wise elder me. And I often look to her and say, okay, well, what would, what would you do right now? And this is something else I haven't shared with anybody else. Um, last episode, I, sh- I shared about the recent epic trip that I went on in, to France and Italy. And my husband and I were in Paris. And we were sitting in a cafe and out front walked this woman. She was probably in her 70s and she had long silver hair. And she was wearing, you know, a trench coat and, and just had like easy style, almost like that nothing to prove, nothing to hide kind of air about her. And she was walking slowly, shoulders back with just so much, to me, inner peace and an easy, really authentic, courageous confidence. And I was like, that's my inner wise one. Like I'm, I'm like seeing her walking by. So that helped me actually, because um, as my current teacher from my yoga therapy course recently said, you know what we don't have as women is we don't have the archetype for the you know, perimenopausal, uh, menopausal, postmenopausal woman, do we? Like we don't have that archetype of what that's supposed to look like. And he said, you know, we all need to be looking at paintings of women from the 14th century, really. This is a little bit of an offshoot, but we've talked about this before. Our culture seems to want women to look like teenage boys with breasts, but that's not the reality, especially at the time of life that you and I are in. That's not the reality at all. That's not what our bodies want for us. So because there isn't necessarily an archetype for the strong older woman, I think it's helpful to create one for ourselves. I just had an image the other day and I I don't know much about it, but about the crone Mm -hmm. age of life and how we use that word in such a negative way. I don't believe that that's what it was initially intended to be. I don't believe it was initially intended to be a negative description when you think of a crone, you, you might come to mind not so pleasant images, but I think it was initially tended to be, you know, a wise, a wise woman. Oh, absolutely. And other cultures really do honor their elders and it's elders that have the wisdom. But unfortunately, our culture, it's celebrating youth. And as we know, listen, there's such beauty and dynamism in, in youth. You know, I absolutely love watching my teenage daughter, but we learn as we grow and we build shame resilience, oftentimes not by some of these practices that we're sharing, but by experience 
and doing it even though we're afraid and showing ourselves that we can do it and we didn't die. You know, that's just something that comes with time. Yeah, all the thing, all the experiences that you have survived up until today mm-hmm. are really what make up your wisdom. That reminds me of another aspect of this that I wanted to share. You know, for I think we can probably all relate to having situations where nervousness has come and that has either caused us to underperform or or cross our own boundary and not show up as we had intended to or not show up authentically or move into people pleasing or even moving into hiding and choosing not to step up and move out into the world at all. I know that we can all relate with those situations. And so um, something else that you said just reminded me of a tool that is also super useful for me. And that's thinking about the times when you were stronger than you thought. It's all about building that inner resource of strength. And I think we all have memories when we were afraid to do something and we didn't think that we could, but we did. You know, we persevered. Honestly, one of the things that I think about when I'm afraid, this is another tool that I have, is I think about having my daughter and the incredible strength that that took. And then I remind myself, if you can do that, you can do this. Right. My God, yes. <laughs> yeah. I also think about doing things for her too. Like I, when I feel nervous to do something, I think, well, on some level of her that I was afraid to do something, but I did it anyway. So I oftentimes take myself out of it and I kind of offer the whole experience to somebody else. So you're a teacher too, Amy, and now you are a manager. You're your boss and you're, you're talking with other teachers all the time. Tell me what's coming up for you as I'm sharing this story about teaching and self-consciousness and how do you handle it? What are you, what are your best practices? Well, I think being in the role of the teacher, only you are privy to what's actually going on inside your own head. (laughs) So I think even though you may be experiencing a lot of self-doubt or negative self-talk or just uncertainty in how you're doing teaching to a group of people that may not be as a parent or maybe not even as maybe not a parent at all to your students. Um, You know, they don't, they don't get to hear what's going on inside of our head. And, you know, I think that's something to remember. And I know what it's like to be in the role of a teacher and have those thoughts and ideas and conversations with myself. And then I also know what it's like to be a student in the class of other teachers. And I really can't think of an experience where a teacher bombed so bad (laughs) that, you know, they should have been taken off with a hook, you know, with that hook that comes out from the side of the stage and just takes somebody away because they've bombed. You know, I think there's what we perceive our, our own experience to be versus what maybe translates out into the world is one thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think also owning that we're human and being vocal about that. I remember taking a class from another teacher and at, the beginning of the class, she was saying, 
I'm, I'm nervous. I'm so nervous. And this is what I'm feeling. And she put her hands on her heart and she said, I feel my heartbeat right now. And I feel like I, I'm, you know, having a hard time taking a deeper breath. And, and we all took a deep breath and, and she said, let's put our feet on the floor. And all the tools that she was offering us to watch her use those tools right in front of us to help center herself was an incredibly centering experience for us. And it made her so much more human to us that she wasn't this perfect teacher that was all wise and knowing, but that she was actually a human being and it made her so much more relatable. And that's another way that we can offer ourselves shame resilience that Brene Brown talks about is as soon as we speak about our shame, it completely dissipates it. But the more that we hold it in or or try to ignore it or hide it or silence ourselves, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And I think it's a real gift to others when you share things that you're experiencing, because then it helps bring it out of them too. It helps bring it out of the dark for them. They're then able to speak about it because you have talked about it. So I think even that not only helps you, but also helps your students, your audience, the people that you're trying to reach. That's my why. And I think about that why even before sitting down in the chair here and talking to you, the why is I want to talk about what it was like to have disordered anxiety. I want to talk about what helped me and, and what didn't and the reality of that, because I know what it was like to be hiding it. And I know what it was like to feel like I was just so messed up and broken because of it. And it's, we're all so much more alike than we are different. And as soon as we start sharing our stories, that's what we find. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Speaking of shame, when I think about shame, something that inevitably I think needs to be said in the conversation is how when, even when we remember a time when we were embarrassed or we felt like we humiliated ourselves or we said the wrong thing, even when we remember that our body has that same experience of shame, you know? Mm -hmm. And speaking of talking about what's actually going on behind the scenes in real time, while we've been recording, the computer has shut down and frozen like four different times. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what's actually going on here in this conversation. And we have a brilliant editor in the form of my husband who um, will take this and, and, and take out all the swear words when the computer would freeze. <laughs> He's amazing. Is like is Mercury in retrograde or something like that right now? Maybe. But technology has lessons to teach us, I think, sometimes. That's probably the last thing that I want to fit in here before it shuts down on us again is that I think that this is a phenomenon that many of us pe- feel in the online on- unreal world as well that we can have a lot of shame in a sense of, well, who am I to post this or who am I to write this blog or who am I to release this video? Can you relate with that? Yeah, completely. And people are going to read it or listen to it or watch it and think, who is she? Who does she think she is? Or they'll laugh or they'll find all the grammatical errors or they'll be annoyed. All all those things I think about. That's so 
brilliant. And we know that that is the, that's the internal conditioning. You know, we learned somewhere along the way not to be too big or to talk too much or not to put ourselves out there to be smaller, to be more proper. And that informs a lot of the dreams that we have and it causes us to hold ourselves back. And I feel like even with social media, the way we feel when we press publish is directly linked to our sense of self-worth because we all have our special brand of not being enough. You know, that story that I shared, mine is like this fear of not knowing enough. What, what's your, what's your brand of not enough? Not being smart enough. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. That's mine too. (laughs) (laughs) That's mine too. And you know, people have that lovely unfollow button if they, if they want, but if we can cultivate, you know, the, the answer to who am I to press publish and put this out there, we know the answer to that. It's like, well, who are you not to? Yes, I agree. And it's easy to say it. It's easy for me to say that to you because I see how special and brilliant you are. It's much more difficult to say it to myself mm-hmm. because of all of that internal dialogue that nobody else is privy to. Mm-hmm. And that is the heart of the work. It's what's the deal with your inner landscape. You know, is that a nice place to be? And if and if it isn't, figure out the personification of those thoughts. You know, how old is that particular author of that thought? Is that an inner teenager? Is that an inner scared, self-conscious 11-year-old? Um, is that something from the outer world? And then it's it's time to create a new inner landscape and a, and a new kinder voice. And maybe it's the voice of the crone. Yes, I'd like to get to know her. All right, I like that idea. It sounds, it's a simple sentence, but it's a lifetime of work. And that's love over fear, love over fear. It's going to be my mantra for the rest of the day. Well, we've heard that fear can't exist when there's love. That's, I think that's a hard place to get to sometimes being so overwhelmed with fear that it's hard to find that self-love, self-compassion. Fear is there to keep us alert, to keep us safe. It's a natural phenomenon. It can inform us, but as Elizabeth Gilbert said in her wonderful book, Big Magic, it can like not be in the driver's seat with you. It's, it can be in the back seat. You can say, you know, I hear you, I understand, but um, you're, you're not taking over the wheel. Because if it had, you wouldn't have opened up your dream yoga studio. I know. And you know what our book of the month is for July for our yoga book club, Big Magic. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. Well, before our computer freezes again, I think that's our cue to say goodbye. Um, I'm leaving tomorrow for another journey. This time I am taking my Abhyanga oil, so I keep my Vata in check. If you haven't listened to the last episode, we gave a lot of tips for staying balanced and calm and grounded, even in the face of lots of summer travel. So I'm traveling again. I'm going to Toronto. That's um, where my my husband's daughter, our oldest daughter lives. And that's also where this musical that we're taking our 17-year-old to for her graduation, Dear Evan Hansen, is playing. So um, we're, we're headed there tomorrow. Another five-hour flight, a three-hour time difference from where we are. So wish me luck. 
yeah, you'll be close to me. Much closer. Yeah, absolutely. Much closer. Counting down the days until I'm there in September. I know. I can't wait. All right. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Love you. Love you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Warrior podcast. If you found it valuable, please leave us a positive review to help others find it. And please check out the Radiant Warrior podcast on Instagram and Facebook to leave us your questions and find out where you can come and practice with us next.